0: This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Tuesday, 22nd of August, 2023. Uh, a very odd session yesterday in some ways as we see a resurgence in yields at the long end of the curve. Also, at the, at the short end, I should note, the two-year closing near 5% in the U.S., uh, there, was only, there were only two closes above 5%, and both of those just prior to that March uh, banking turmoil. Uh, we had the 10-year and the 30-year uh, new close uh, high closes for the cycle, the 10-year since all the way back in 2007. And yet we look over at the equity market, and there was a huge uh, speculative burst yesterday uh, and supposedly on improved risk sentiment, et cetera, looks a little bit to me like maybe some shenanigans ahead of some very key earnings reports, especially uh, NVIDIA reporting uh, tomorrow after the close. So we saw both NVIDIA and what we call the, the speculative cluster around uh, some of this AI, these AI linked names, also Tesla, but even the broader market was was higher yesterday. Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure what to attribute that to. There, you know, you could always link some of these uh, moves with things like uh, touting that the analysts were upping their pri- price targets. But is it really worth, uh, Peter, <laughs> gunning into fresh longs just ahead of an earnings report based on what analysts are saying? It feels like the volatility risks around this Nvidia are, are tremendous, uh, certainly in both directions, as was made clear yesterday. So, I don't know your thoughts on that, and
1: and or maybe you want to pick up the Nvidia talk uh, specifically uh, later. I would, I would I would, not put too much faith into what analysts are thinking about NVIDIA because keep in mind that before the blowout outlook that they reported uh, last time, uh, NVIDIA, analysts had for two or three months, despite galloping user numbers for OpenAI and everything that came from Google with their bot engine, etc., analysts were keeping their forward estimates on revenue completely flat as a pancake mm-hmm. going into that earning. And so, I mean, I don't trust their ability to read Anything from uh, from what's going on in the industry. So, um, but we'll talk a little bit about Baidu because Baidu is is potentially one of the very big buyers of GPUs right now for Nvidia. They will be reported uh, later today, but I have a few comments on that. But otherwise, I think if you look at the session as a whole, um, it was a big day for cyclicals. That we 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 are again displaying this chart cyclical sectors versus defensive. The reason why we have a little bit more focus on this time series than the normal is because of our stagflation light call. Where if that comes true defensive sectors would do better and even if we have a slowdown, I know a lot of indicators are not suggesting uh, that and uh, not for all economies at least, then defensive sectors, defensive sectors should do better. But uh, yesterday was a big day for cyclicals, 1.2% outperformance on a relative basis there. So that was quite considerable. Otherwise, yeah, I think inequities, equities, we're also reacting to that, uh, you know, that new breakout, that new highs in the U.S. 10-year yield. we will we'll definitely talk about that. I mean, it impacts all the capital-intensive uh, industries and sectors in the equity market. And I think the the part of the equity market have been hit the hardest by these rising interest rates. have not, interesting enough, not been construction. Our theme basket in construction is actually doing quite well. It's been the green transformation. It's been all these very heavy capital-intensive industries tra- uh, related to the green transformation. I think if we have a move higher... Uh, in the, in the in the bond yields from here, I could could get actually pretty like I don't know crunch time maybe for these green transformation stocks.
0: All right, and uh, you talk about stagflation. Call the run rate of the Atlanta GDP now for Q3 is at over 5.7 percent. So yeah, we need to see some some worry, worrying numbers at some point to start to get that call right directionally. We think of course we're we're going to get that, but at the moment it does appear the economy is running fairly hot
1: i i don't get that number uh, is when i look at the chicago fed national activity index which tracks 85 figures it's around just below zero so trend growth i i, I just I, I can't really square it with you know a 5% uh, annualized uh, gdp growth but uh, yeah there could be some interesting
0: um, gdp price index inputs into that there. yeah of course that, that that also were the reason the q2 uh, gdp estimates has, has sort of flattered what the probable actual state of growth was in the us i think it came in well below uh, what was expected, and of course that means if you you say the GDP price index is only growing very slightly when the nominal economy otherwise uh, grew a lot, then you get, you get a different, very different GDP number. Interesting. Uh, regardless, there have been the, the the one of the Citibank measures of U.S. economic data is definitely beating uh, very strongly on expectations. All right, so a couple things here: we have these yields going higher yesterday, and the, the U.S. yields uh, dragging European yields higher. And so I point out on slide four simply because the move was the biggest there, with the strong sentiment. Uh, so despite those higher U.S. yields, the strong sentiment meant that the dollar was a little bit on its back foot. Uh, the yen even more so, because, of course, the yen is so yield sensitive. And so Urien hitting a new high since 2008 yesterday uh, on the close above 159. And the direction is clear there unless either the you know, Bank of Japan or Japan signals a policy move uh, or if, if you know, yields otherwise would have to start going back lower again. Uh, so pointing out that, but the dollar was was generally soft, but nothing decisive enough to really to to really start to draw conclusions. And uh, so I'll say on yields yesterday, uh, with this new high close, we have to consider you know is this is this move going to continue? And uh, you bring in this very interesting uh, aspect uh, into the picture on the U.S. yield curve that you have a ten-year benchmark that's at four point three three percent ish right here, uh, and the thirty-year is twelve basis points higher. In between that sits the twenty-year. Uh, which is curiously <laughs> higher than both of those at 4.64. So you need to, to explain to us why there's this weird kink at the longer end of the U.S. yield curve, as well as your general uh, perspective here on, on, on what yields are set to do next.
2: Well, John, the simple reason why uh, there is a premium when you buy 20-year U.S. treasuries is because uh, they are the most illiquid uh, maturities out there. Um these, um, uh, these uh, notes uh, have been introduced uh, on the back of the pandemic in 2020. Uh, they were discontinued uh, um, at the beginning of the 90s. I think it was 94, something like that. Um, so it has been, uh, there is very little 20-year issuance out, out there. And obviously, Um, normally investors uh, will always pick the most uh, liquid issuance. So they would go 30 if they want to buy duration, or they would go 10 if they want to buy the safe haven. So what's happening here is that tomorrow we have uh, a U.S. issuance, uh, um, U.S. US auction for 20-year notes. And the problem with that is that uh, the, the auction has been increased by $1 billion. Uh, that's much less uh, uh, of, compared to the amount uh, that the 10 years and the 30 years uh, have been increased by. Uh, but uh, the problem is that if we don't have enough investors wanting to increase duration in their portfolio, then we might end up with a very weak uh, bidding metrics uh, and that can spark further volatility uh, in uh, uh, U.S uh, treasuries uh, and we might see yields higher. I'm gonna take you on uh, slide number six because uh, here I tried uh, um, to show um, some bidding metrics for the for and how uh, basically yields behave uh, surrounding the 20-year U.S treasury auction. And uh, what happens, uh, I'm, I'm looking in October 2022, there we had a very weak indirect demand, uh, below uh, um, 67, uh, 68 uh, times. And uh, what happened then is that we have seen a huge sell-off, uh, not only in 20 years, but across the yield curve, Um, the the yield on uh, the 20-year notes increased by 30 basis points in just two trading sessions after the US Treasury auction. And that was despite, uh, at that time, uh, the 20-year notes were already offering uh, around 20 basis points uh, more than 30-year US uh, Treasuries. So now that that the size of this auction has been increased, uh, uh, we might get uh, some of that unless uh, investors uh, are speculating that power will come dovish at the Jackson Hole and then they will add the duration and uh, try to position for lower rates coming in the future.
0: Yeah, you bring in two key points there that the timing of the auction is a bit awkward as well ahead of Jackson Hole on Friday. And you know, what is what is what is Jackson Hole set to deliver? It was the, the article over the weekend from uh, so-called Fed Whisperer, the Wall Street Journal's uh, Nick Timmeraus. Uh, was it some kind of indication on what the Fed is set to deliver? The speculation in his article was that the uh, we should get used to a higher uh, sort of longer-term rate on average from the Fed. The era of low rates may be over due to high productivity and higher deficits. I suspect the latter is, is far more important than the former unless – AI really is set to deliver some profound gains uh, in coming years. Uh, So with that higher neutral rate, are we set for a Jackson Hole that sort of queues up a September FOMC that sees the Fed actually not indicating any sort of urgency around uh, further rate hikes here in the near term, but that it sees that the longer term uh, rate is higher? And if we look back at the June uh, dot plot, we see see this sort of 2.5% area median for the uh, long-term dot plot assumption of the, uh, where the Fed, the projection of the Fed funds rate, could that be raised to 3% or, or, or higher? That would be a very significant, I think, uh, message to the market, even if, if Powell is fairly mum on on any further plans to hike in the near term. So, uh, of course, there's two-way risk, but that article would tend to, to suggest that they are set for some sort of reassessment of the longer-term policy rate. And one of the, the tweets he, he mentions just, uh, you know, just the facts, ma'am, if you will, uh, from, from what he's saying. He says, look, it's, it's worth noting on that projection of the longer-run interest rate that in June, 7 of 17 officials were above the median rate and 3 were below it, uh, whereas a year earlier, 8 were below the median and 2 were above. So 7 officials above the median for the longer-term rate. It's, it's quite interesting uh, to consider there and it will be critical. Uh, I guess you would agree, I'll tell you, this, uh, this Jackson Hole conference, at least potentially.
2: Absolutely, John. But I think that uh, if we look uh, uh, at uh, 10 year US Treasury yields, uh, for example, uh, by their face value right now, they are quite compelling. If you enter, uh, if you buy them uh, with a yield of 4.3% and you hold them until the, the end of 2024, and by then yields rise to 5%, you wouldn't make any loss. You um, will go flat. A, on your a real investment. loss
0: because of inflation, but no, no, nom- yeah, no exactly. nominal loss on your on your trade there.
2: But then, if uh, yields drop to three point five percent, because maybe there is an upcoming recession or there is volatility in the stock market, then you will earn, you you will gain thirteen percent. Um, so right now, the risk reward uh, trade off that uh, U.S. Treasuries uh, provide to portfolios. It's quite good, and we cannot exclude that demand, uh, you know, will come as yields will rise.
0: Key perspective there, really key to understand the the return dynamics uh, with these very different yield levels than we were at uh, when when 10 years were were yielding uh, well sub 2%. So uh, great perspective. All right, Peter, we have Nvidia coming up. You have this this interesting angle of of watching what uh, maybe a Chinese name is saying in terms of their purchasing ahead of that any any further thoughts on nvidia and your other stocks to watch today which you have there on slide 7
1: no not that you know you and i were talking about different scenarios when nvidia and we we're looking at you know um different option strategies that you could sell you could sell a call options with a, a strike just above the uh the all time high there and then you could use those uh, you could use that premium to to fund a a put um, and, and then playing on a, on a negative surprise that was is one option to uh, one way to express uh, a view on Nvidia and then
0: the pricing should, of those options is very slightly different today than it was <laughs> yesterday. My goodness,
1: <laughs> exactly after a forty dollar move or whatever it was. Yesterday. Yeah, we came in at almost up nine percent. It's banging very close to the highs uh, there for, for Nvidia, yeah. and it it comes as analysts keep raising their their revenue forecast and price targets going into this earnings release, and it it is and very important, I think, event for the te- for the overall technology sector um in the in the US who will obviously be watching that and and before I talk about Baidu because I think Baidu Baidu uh, is uh, it's a Chinese technology company it's the equivalent of of, uh, of Google in the in the US um we have to talk about BHP group BHP group obviously being one of the largest mining companies in the world they reported slightly less than expected net uh, net income for the fiscal year that ended in June they 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 said in their sort of their statement that India and China right now are sources of stability in the in the overall commodity market and for BHP Group that means uh, you know steel and iron ore, which is uh, their core business, or at least iron ore for steel uh, steel making, and and but then they also say they expect more inflation they're not seeing that easing and then the labor tightness will continue to impact cost. So as I said to you, John, well, it's fine that we're talking about these uh, lower PPIs and everyone seems, okay, inflation, we've turned the corner. But you have, you know, a pretty significant input cost to the economy. Uh, steel, also important for for wind turbines, important for construction, et cetera. And here you have one of the largest uh, players in that industry basically saying that, you know, inflation is not going away and we have too much labor tightness to, to keep costs uh, in check. So I think that's a very interesting comment if you are, Setting your yourself your portfolios and you believe that um, we can return to low inflation here anytime soon talking about earnings and the earnings watch it's on slide eight in today's slide deck um i've put in i've put in the baidu's quarterly earnings um earning figures and those estimates from on the bloomberg terminal there and um yeah so the for the quarter that ended in june uh, the market or analysts are expecting 12 percent uh, growth in the on the top line but I will be looking into the cash flow statement statements because the cash flow statement will show what has been uh spent on capital expenditures and um and when when then we can compare that to previous quarters and then we can infer hopefully a little bit what is has been the marginal shift in in capex over that quarter that is going to be so important and which will overlap with two, with two months with Nvidia's um, and hopefully based on that, I can and can write a, a preview um, uh, leading into Nvidia. I think, yeah, uh, I, I'm really. I I know it's it's a very single specific event in equities, and does, this doesn't really mean uh, a lot for in the overall macro picture. But it yeah, uh, means
0: th- a lot for a lot of speculative activity out there. So in, and, like, and general market psychology and our saxo yeah.
1: clients. I mean, it's the it's the second most uh, held and I think traded uh, stock among uh, all of our you know, uh, clients. So it's it's only surpassed by by Tesla.
0: Right. Let's uh, go to the macro calendar. I don't want to focus too much on things, except these preliminary PMIs could be quite interesting uh, from around the world, really, but especially for the Eurozone uh, tomorrow and and perhaps as well the UK with that services PMI getting close to sort of the uh, expansion versus contraction area around 50, uh, as as far as I recall, at least for the July uh, figure. We have this BRICS summit starting today, and the focus there, I'm not expecting any uh, dramatic announcement that's going to send the dollar uh, headed south anytime soon. There's a lot of talk about this uh, BRICS summit and, and long-term proposals for some way to trade outside the U.S. dollar system. But it could just be interesting as a as a measure of what kind of solidarity is developing among the BRICS and, and to, get, to the degree to which they're able to expand the role uh, of countries, uh, the number of countries that are joining this organization. There are quite a few in attendance there. So be watching for headlines around that. But it really is about this Jackson Hole conference on Friday and what the Fed is set to deliver. That is the number one thing we should be focusing on and what it brings in the wake of it. So just have that on your, on your radar. And then in terms of market volatility, of course, the uh, NVIDIA results uh, after the close on Wednesday uh, could shake up markets, certainly in the near term. So with that said... Stay safe out there, and we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter
2: at Saxo Market Call or by email marketcall at saxobank.com.